This is Joe Peters with Monfed with Joe Peters. Welcome to the Spanglish World Network and the Her Network and Single TV channels 250 and 251. If you do not follow me yet in social media, please go and find me on Instagram at Joe Unicorn Coach, like my name in the bottom of my screen. Please also remember to download the Single TV app in all the respective iOS and Android devices in the app stores. While you are downloading, make sure that you leave a comment and rate the app. The app is free. And Single TV is also available in Google Chromecast, Amazon Fire, Fire TV, Roku, and Roku Stick in all the smart TVs. Oh, welcome, welcome to another episode. I am very excited to be having this conversation uh, with Alana. We were talking uh, about it with a couple of my clients this week. And we are going to be talking about how to simplify parenting to reduce burnout. And I know that there is two mommies here watching us. If you are pregnant and it's your first child or your second child, you want to be taking a lot of notes because you're going to be more in the preventive action. You're going to be actually learning from our discussion into what you can do to not get your water above your head. So that is one of some of you, take your notes. And now for the ones that are already dealing with a newborn, with several kids, and then you are rolling your eyes saying, that is not possible. Like I cannot simplify and don't have a burnout and you are getting close to, I want you to take a big breath in and allow Alana as the expert to help you and show you and give you nuggets to figure out how to do that because the reality is we were talking about this and probably are going to talk with Alana more is we are being programmed to think that it needs to be hard, that no pain, no gain, that in order for me to be a good mom, I need to do it all and I need to um, do everything for everybody. So if you're in that second group that is rolling their eyes and this is not possible, what do you mean that uh, parenting can be simplified? I want you to actually breathe and enjoy the show and interact with us and let's go to find a way where you can raise your kids to be the amazing people that they are supposed to be without sacrificing your soul, without sacrificing yourself. So Alana is a mom of four. So for all of you that are rolling your eyes, if Alana with four can do it, I probably bet you that you all can do it too, even if you have one or more, one, one or two more than her. If you handle four, you can handle five and six and seven. So uh, she's an expert on that way. She's also a former teacher with a master in education. She turned into a serial entrepreneur, parenting coach, writer, educational consultant, and content creator with over 10 years of experience helping moms thrive amongst the beautiful cows of raising children. Alana actually understands the stress and burnout that can be accompanied to the quest of perfection in parenting and strives to help moms to feel empowered to become more confident parents raising independent children who flourish into happy and successful adults. So what is she saying, moms, is you can have it all. You just cannot do it all. Um, and uh, we are going, we are super excited to have her here. She had her hashtag there. 
So if you are going to, if you are going to Instagram to follow me, make sure that you also find her at the Alana Gallio um, handle. And Alana, welcome. Let's gonna start with two things. A little bit about your story about when do you fall in love with this concept of parenting can be simple and I don't have to be burned out and I don't have to wait until I'm burned out to change things. And we are going to connect that with, I ask all my guests a phrase. And I love the phrase that you provide. The phrase that Alana provided was, kids need time and a space away from adults to get into the flow of play. So with that, welcome, Alana. Thank you for being here. And I was going to start with your story, with your why, how this become a, a mission and a passion in your life. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Um, so I was a teacher for over a decade. And <clears throat> while I was educating these children who happened to be in high school for, for such a long period of time, I just noticed such a decline in their um soft skills, we call them, right? So their ability to like manage their time, to initiate tasks, um, to have this independence about them. They, they really struggled with their social and emotional health and all these things. And so once I had my own kids, I started just digging into like, why is this happening to kids? Why are kids struggling so much? Um, why am I seeing this in the classroom? Because I don't want that to happen to my own kids. And so that just led me down a whole different path of learning about um, more about child development and um, early education, all the things that kids need and kind of like really digging into the uh, societal expectations of moms and how that's impacting their kids and all this stuff. And so that was what drove me to start um, doing what I'm doing now. Um, so it's been a few years and I'm loving it. Um, I think helping parents really, like you said, understand like they can do all the things. They can have everything, but they can't do everything. And they have to be able to figure out a way to simplify so that they don't feel burnout. They don't feel resentful that they're actually really enjoying the process of raising kids because it's it's hard. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I love that. And I love how you are applying all those years of experience and all what you um, leave experimentally, not only with your own kids, but, but as a teacher. And I'm talking about that, so I tell you, like, usually my baby's not around, but he's been having a fever for the last 24 hours. So he's not feeling good. So mamas, this is mom life, a real one-on-one. -on -one. So um, yeah. Alana, I love that. Let's gonna just talk a little bit about um, what it means to simplify parenting and how that is going to help us to reduce burnout. Awesome. So I think when we think about simplifying parenting, sometimes, like you said, people are like, oh my God, how, how do I do that? That's, that's not possible, right? I have all these things. And I think that while I recognize that that's 100% true, right? Moms in, in general tend to be responsible for so many things, the mental load of like, Everything from, you know, setting up doctor's appointments to figuring out dinner to, you know, oh, my child grew out of their, their sneakers and they need a new pair, right? All of that falls on us often. And so I think that there's this sense of overwhelm with all of those things. Um, and so, you know, some of those things are just kind of inevitable, right? So for me, a lot of it, that minds is about mindset and shifting our mindset around, you know, um, sort of like, these are things that I, I get to do, right? Instead of I have to do. And just that simple switch of language is going to help with that. 
Um, and then from from the day to day perspective, I think society has made moms especially feel like they have to be doing all these things. They have to be doing a craft with their kid every day. They have to set up these perfect sensory bins. They have to go out and buy all the latest and greatest toys. They need to be, um, you know, scheduling their kids for, for violin and chess and soccer and all of the extra things after school. And I think that that pressure comes from people seeing, you know, Instagram, people seeing Pinterest and they're, they're looking up, they're like, how do I stimulate my kid? How do I make sure that they're developing? And they feel, of course, it comes out of this place of feeling like they want to do what's best for their child. But in turn, that ends up just creating so much pressure for them. And they feel like they have to do all these things. And how do you even have time to do that when you're a mom? And so part of what happened with me was that, you know, my, my son was born about eight years ago. And the first year, I was really feeling that pressure. I was like going into all these moms groups on Facebook, and I was going to the new moms group you know, at the hospital and all these moms were talking about how do I stimulate my six week old and how do I make sure my six month old is learning every day? And I was like, what? We don't need to be doing that. Why are, that's not something that you should be stressing about, right? At six weeks old, your baby is really just sleeping and eating. And when they're looking at your face, that's enough stimulation for them. And so it got me thinking about this whole idea that where is this pressure coming from and how do we like sort of flip that script or change that narrative about what is the best for kids in terms of their development. And what I think a lot of parents don't realize is that children actually need so much less, like they need less, you know, they need less, um, less like hovering, right? They need space away from us. They need time to figure things out on their own. They do need that. They need fewer toys. Um, they don't need, you know, perfectly curated sensory bins or art projects that are being led by adults. They really just need to actually be told to like go play and do their own thing and being given an environment, set up an environment that is going to encourage that. And so, um, there's this level of simplification, but it does take a shift in mindset, I think. Uh, perfect. Can you go, please? Thank you. <laughs> My two-year-old is going through a super clingy, like the past two weeks, all she's like Velcro. And I said to my babysitter, I'm like, you got to keep her out of here. <laughs> my, mine usually does because he's with a fever. He's getting a little more. I know, today. it's so hard. It's never ending. <laughs> so and I, one thing that I want everybody to, to write down on what Alana said that is so powerful is start with your language. So a couple of things that I want to go deeper with you. The first one is language. I love the reframe of instead of I have to, is I choose to. Because some people are like, oh, that's very, that is not going to make a difference. It does because the word I have to, like when you have to do the laundry, is probably because you don't want to, but you don't have another option. Yeah. When you have to do something, it comes from an energy of imposition, of you are doing something that you really don't want to. And that over time, it starts creating resentment. Um, yes. When you instead say, I choose to, I have the option and, and I choose to do this, then you're coming from a place of empowerment, of power. Now, with that, I want to balance with the other side and I want to hear your opinion into what we can do 
to recruit our partners, our family, our friends, so that one of one of my favorite books about uh, females and motherhood is the book from uh, it's a book called Drop the Ball, and mm. she's talking a lot about how that concept. So she's talking about two things that I want to hear your opinion. The first one is the reality that society has been making us believe that as a mo- as a mom, doesn't matter if we also work full time. Raising the kids relate mainly on us and is mainly into our job. But then the second one that is very interesting, I want to hear your opinion on, is that one of the issues why especially partners don't help as much is because we don't let go. So it's like, oh, if you're going to help me, help me, but help me exactly in the way that I will do it. And they are another person. So after a couple of tries of helping, when the only thing that they receive is you didn't do it right, you forgot this, then they are like, then do it yourself. Um, so yeah. I was going to talk about these two, those two points there into how we can um, connect them for changing into I have to do it all. I have to do all of this by myself. I love that. So I think um, there's so much I can say about this. So one of the things I would like to know is that I think we forget um, how um how much our children want to participate in our day-to-day life. And we think we need to set them up to be doing something different, right? They need to be entertained. They need to be um, busy, right? We have this whole, all this language around, how do I keep my kids busy? How do I entertain my kids? And I think that that is the wrong way to think about it. We need to be thinking about how do I bring my kids in to the things that I'm already doing. So children naturally, from a developmental perspective, they love to help. They want to help you fold the laundry. They want to help you with the dishes. They want to help cook. They want to be vacuuming. We see it all the time. And oftentimes we get frustrated because it's like, well, okay, but you're just gonna make this harder for me. We all know that, right? Like they're gonna come in, they're gonna spill something, They don't really know how to run the vacuum the right way, whatever it is. And so it's almost easier for us to do it, or it always is easier for us to do it ourselves. But the problem with that is that number one, it sets us up to feel like we always have to have something else for our kids to be doing while we're doing the things that we need to do. And also sometimes we'll save those things. Like for example, we won't, you know, do the laundry or, or the dishes or whatever else has to happen. And we'll only do do that, for example, during nap time. And now our one time where the child is napping for an hour, two hours a day is when we are now doing all this work. So we have no time to just do the things that we want to do or rest or read our own book or scroll scroll social media or whatever it is that we want to do to decompress for a few hours. And so I think bringing the children in and kind of shifting your mindset around what kids can and can't do. Um, they're very capable. Um, you know, my four-year-old can vacuum the house. She uses a regular vacuum. We get a really lightweight, like stick vacuum. And when we're cleaning, she's helping us. And our, my two-year-old is, you know, putting the laundry in, she's taking it out and throwing it into the washing machine. And she's perfectly happy and content. And she's learning so much about practical life. Um, and life skills in general by going about our day with us. And so I think that shift of like, well, I have to do these things and my kid has to have these special things to do is just sort of the wrong way to look at it because it just sets us up to constantly be juggling so much. 
Um, and so kind of that, that initial thing. And then in addition to that, obviously, there's a whole other layer, right, that we're going to talk about with um, including our partner. And, you know, I know that there's different dynamics in relationships. And, um, you know, there are some people who are in situations where their partner is unwilling to or doesn't, you know, who, who isn't in it, they're not in a healthy relationship where it's sort of on equal footing. So of course, if that's your situation, that's a whole different level. But when you have somebody who, like you said, is wanting to help, right, they're willing to, to try. And then you tell them to do it. And then they do it. And you're kind of like, well, you didn't do it right. It's like, well, like you said, why, why would they keep doing it? It happens the same way with your kids. You know, you tell them to make their bed, they make it, it's not going to be perfect, you know, and instead of going in and fixing it and correcting it, letting them get that sense of satisfaction that they accomplished it. And I feel like often that has to, that same thing has to happen with our partner. I'm not saying our partner is like a child, but I'm sort of saying that they kind of operate in that same sense of like, they have to be coached through it a little bit. Um, and we do have to let go, right. Let go of that perfection and be willing to ask for help. And if you can afford to, you know, send your laundry to the laundromat for it to be done, like do that. It's okay. If you can afford to um, have your groceries delivered, you know, have your groceries delivered. There's no reason why you should spend two hours, you know, or three hours a week or however long going physically to the grocery store if you can have them delivered. And so finding those little ways to make your life easier and treating your time as really valuable. I think um, I always think like, okay, how many hours would this thing take me to do myself? And is it really worth that amount of time for me, for, for groceries, for example, it's like, well, by the time I get there, I do whatever I unpack the bags. It's like two hours of my life. What else could I be doing with those two hours? Is it worth $10 to have my groceries delivered for me? Absolutely. Right. And so there's all these different ways that we can just sort of allow the help to come in. I think we don't want to, like you said, we, we want to feel like we can do it all. Um, and I think my thing is, is like, we can do all the things we want to do. If we offload all the stuff that we don't really want to do to other people in some way, shape or form. I love that. I love all the examples. And, and I, and I love how clear the message is for all of you moms is the issue is that you, the issue is not that you are burned out because you're having it all, they uh, having to do it all. The issue is that you need to work in yourself to let go of that control that things need to be the way that you need to like one of the, like, I will tell you something that happened in my house. We have, um, separate chores. So my husband uh, used to do the laundry before we have the nanny. Now the nanny do it, but he used to do the laundry. I used to do the dishes. And one of the rules was if you're doing the laundry, I don't have a say into, ah, you didn't fold them the right way. That is your job. And I am okay with taking that out of my mouth. And the same was with him into the dishes. And then here we have a little bit of issues in the beginning because we're like, oh, but you need to do it this other way. And we're like, oh, 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 who is doing them? Do you want to do yep. them? I will be more than happy to just. Yeah, you could do them <laughs> uh, in, in, in that playground. But. One of the one of the things is knowing that we are different people, and then as yeah. more and I love your example with the with the bed because we tend to the society is being putting us into this role of being a victim of a martyr of I have to do everything to make it right, 
What is the definition mm-hmm. of right? How hard is going to be for you in your life that your kids' bed be halfway made or that your husband does the laundry in a way that that you don't like? The worst thing will be that you will have a couple of pink pants and then will be excuse for you to go and chop and find ones that be, that feed you better. So I love, love, love all that. And one thing that is true that I love how you were insightful enough to be aware of that not every mom had that disposition from their partner uh, because of culture, because of religion, because of all of those things. So for those moms, I love how you switch it into start working with your kids, start putting things into your kids, um, start getting them into it to help you to clean, to cook, to do their beds. And then I will even go further into if you don't have the option financially right now to um, invest on some of those upgrades, then recruit friends and family. Like, well, this is something that I always talk with my pregnant moms. And when they are, I always say, and this is something that I someday will make a, a movement. I always say that we should have, as part of the baby shower, a mommy shower, where yes. we have a list of saying, hey, these are the things that are very important for me in my house that now that my life is changing, I will not have enough time to do. Do you want to help? These are the things that you can help because you will have, as a new mom, newborn, as a toddler, people that love you are going to ask you how I can help. Do you need mm-hmm. something? And mommies, we always say, oh, we're good. We're okay. We're not okay. You're not okay. It's okay to say you need help and it's okay to, I think I, I love that. It's like, there are so many things and so often, and I've been guilty of it myself where I'm like, do you want me to do you, how can, do you want me to come over and help you? And of course I know that they're going to be like, no, I got this. And I should just show up with a thing of lasagna or show up with, you know, a bottle of wine or show up with some groceries because even though we say we're okay, I think it's, I think, you know, it's, it it is a movement, right. To be like, we can't, we need help. We need a village. We don't have that anymore. Um, in a built-in way, you know, and like we used to have where you had your babies and everybody lived together and everybody supported you and, you know, you were nursing and you had three other generations who had nursed their kids and they're helping you. And, you know, there's just, that doesn't, happen that often anymore. And I mean, I was lucky, I am lucky and privileged enough to have some of that access to that village. You know, I live near my family and, and have a very supportive husband and all of that, but not everybody has that. So I think, like you said, when you are a new mom, especially really thinking about who is going to be there for you, who can you call on, who can you say, you know, if you're struggling with something, who's your go-to person that you know is going to just show up for you? Because everybody has people like that, you know, even if we think we don't, I guarantee that even there are people who I don't even know who have posted in, for example, a local moms group and said, I'm struggling with X and all the moms in the area just like run to say, how can we help you? Can we bring you dinner? Can we do this? And like, they've never met this person. So even if it's, where you feel like you don't have people who you know, I think there is a sense of community within the mom community overall. And if you are willing to put yourself out there, you know, um, 
you will find people who will step up and and help you in whatever way that you need. And I love that. And and uh, and that was my that was the second part. And that is the second part when I do my seminars that I told people is the first part is moms do the freaking list because one of the reasons why we say oh we are good is because we are already close to burnout, we are already mm-hmm. exhausted, so we don't want to think. We are like oh my god, it feels like so intimidating at the moment. How I can help? I don't, I don't, you need somebody to help you with is like one more thing that I have to do is like, I've got to now think about how you're going to help me. I don't have the capacity to do that. I just need somebody to come in and just do something. Moms (laughs) do the freaking list. Moms and other family members that are watching us do not ask how I can help. Do what Alana just said. Just show up, just show up and say, Hey, I was in the neighborhood. I thought that maybe I will help you to uh, catch up with some laundry. Hey, I'm in the neighborhood and I'm going to take my kids to the park. And I thought it would be nice to do a play date and take your kids with me so you can have a couple of hours. Do it. So I love that, Alana. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to go into another one that is a little sensitive. And probably of growing up, but what do you think about kids getting bored? And is that good? Is that bad? Do we need to make sure that our kids are always entertained and happy? What are your thoughts about boredom with our children? So this is a great question. Um, Boredom is seen as this bad thing, right? Parents feel like they have to always make sure their kids are happy and that their kids are stimulated and that they're busy And what happens with that is it's this cycle, right? So they get bored, you help them figure it out, then they do the thing, then they get bored again, and then you help them figure it out, and then they get bored again, and then it's just this vicious cycle. Because that boredom, that feeling of boredom that kids have is actually really good for them. It's where their brain is kind of in this state of like, okay, I don't know what to do, and I have to now figure out what can I do? What can I be internally motivated to do to help me feel excited about something? Whether it's I'm going to go, you know, you feel like, oh, I'm so bored. I don't know what to do. And then your brain starts activating and you start to see the creativity and the imagination come out. And you start to kind of see kids where they'll, you know, even if it's 15, 20, 30 minutes of sitting moping around saying, oh, I'm bored. Or, you know, maybe it's like they want to watch a show and you're like, no, we're not, you know, we're done with TV for the day. And they're, wah, right. And they're whining about it. I'm so bored. And the more that you kind of give into that, the less that boredom muscle is going to work in their brain, right? So if you think about it like that, so being bored is actually really good for them because it's giving them the space for their bodies and their brains to like figure out how to bring that internal joy and that internal motivation to go and do something that's going to not be boring. Um, And so I think we want to swoop in because it's, you know, it's sometimes uncomfortable to watch, right? It's uncomfortable if our kids are, especially if they're nagging us, I'm bored, I'm bored, what are we doing? What are we doing? Um, Or if you've, you know, you've kind of held a boundary, like, for example, with the TV situation, and you know, they're going to keep asking you for 20 minutes, it's frustrating. But being able to just be like, you're, you're, you'll figure it out, right? Or you have some, I have a few like tips for that. But I think we forget that kids are really capable, like they were actually born to play and, and, 
they have an endless amount of um, ability inside of them to kind of come up with things to do. You could stick them in a field and they would kick rocks, right? Like they will find something to help make them happy and give them that sense of playfulness. Um, and so I think my biggest, I guess, tip would just be like embrace it and that it's knowing that it's actually really good for your kids for them to be bored. And then that'll help take the pressure off you. So you don't feel like you have to always be setting up activities and things like that for them. I love it. And actually I was remember that one, uh, one uh, coach that I had, actually, I thought that was genius. She had this beautiful decorated glass jar and is the boredom jar. So mm -hmm. when the kids are not bored, Then they play around and say, like, what? What activities are fun to do? And they keep putting activities there, writing down, well, do this, do that. And they put them there. And the boredom jar stays in their kitchen. So when the kids are like, I'm bored, like, mom starts saying, go to the boredom jar. Pick yeah. one thing to do from there. So now yeah. after a several muscle memory trials and repeating, now the kids know that they will not even go up to her to say, I'm bored. Because they know the answer. They know like, well, so one of the times the dancer was like, well, you and me can work on something for your boredom after we make sure that you try all of that and still are not satisfied. So yeah. I love I love how you are saying that, that it's not our responsibility to keep them entertained. It's our responsibility to cultivate that. Actually, I was reading a couple of weeks ago, somebody was making a blog or an article sharing their concern about if we ever are going to have ever again those amazing writers of novels like Harry Potter, like all those novels in the imagination, because let's gonna be completely honest, it's not that they were gifted more than us, it's that at some point they were so bored so that they just move into their mind and their mind opened all that imagination that allowed them to then share their imagination world with us that in society as we have it now, our kids almost never had time to go to their imagination, to go to their own world because we are so worried about satisfying that boredom. Thank you so, so much yeah. for that. Now, with that, let's gonna go back circle into your phrase that I loved. Your phrase was, kids need a space away from adults to get into the flow of play. So how that looks like, how that move around into how I can still play with my kids, but give them the space. What is that balance? And yeah. again, mommy guilt. How I mm. battle that mommy guilt that, oh, if, if they are playing by themselves, then I'm not being a good mom because um, I'm not doing all of these things for them. Yeah. So the first thing is you're not a bad mom if you're not playing with your kids all the time. Um, I think that there's this misconception that in order to have a secure attachment and a bond with your child and to show them love and all of those things, you have to be doing everything for them. And that's actually not true at all. Um, there's so many things that like I don't um, when you when I say play with your kids, right, there's a lot that can mean a lot of different things. So I'll just clarify, like for me, when I, I look at it more of how am I spending time with them? And so we read books, we do puzzles, 
Um, we go on hikes, we cook together, we bake together, we do things together all the time. But I'm not necessarily playing with them on the floor, right? Now, sometimes they'll ask me, hey, can you want to build a castle with me? Or they'll be playing a tea party and they'll bring up the cup and I'll pretend to drink from it. And I engage with them in some little ways like that. But for the most part, What's interesting uh, or one of the most interesting things that I've ever learned about this idea of play is that it really has to be a child led and child directed and child centered thing. And as soon as an adult comes into that playtime, it's not actually really play anymore. Now it's a dynamic between an adult and a child. And so and that's OK. Right. It's not that having that dynamic every once in a while is not good, right? Of course it's good. You're building a rapport with your kid. You're enjoying them. You're having fun. If you love playing dinosaurs, go for it. But this idea that we have to always be doing that with our kids is just wrong. Um, and so children need to have time. So real play, right? It's like, it's child-led, it's child-centered. They make up the rules. It's all whatever they want it to be. And it has nothing to do with us. Like we don't need to be involved in any way, shape or form. We don't need to set anything up for them. We don't need to um, tell them how to do it. We don't need to give them step by step. We need to just provide the right environment, which is something that I also talk about because I think we think sometimes people, well, my kids won't play. And I say, well, okay, how many toys do you have? Hundreds of toys? Well, that's probably why, right? So there's a lot of factors as to why kids aren't playing as much as they used to. Um, and we can talk about that more, but I think having this time and space away from our, the parent, right. The adult, um, that is so crucial for kids to actually develop their play skills. Um, and if we think about that play as their work, every time we interject or we interrupt them, we're interrupting their work. It's the same thing like if we were working and they keep coming in and they keep interrupting us, we lose our sense of thought, we lose where we are, it, we get distracted, it takes time for us to get back into that flow of work. It's the same thing with kids with play. And play is literally how they learn everything. And so when you're constantly interjecting or interrupting or making a comment or trying to participate in some way because you feel that guilt... It's better to think like, well, wait a second, this is their job. They are working right now. And I need to let them have that time and space so that they can really get into that flow where that creativity is there, that imagination is there. Um, they're learning so many skills through that. So I think, again, it's a shift in mindset, right? We don't, there's nothing to feel guilty about. You're actually providing the best possible thing for your kid and that's free play. So um you know, in order for them to develop, they need that. They need like four to six hours of play a day, um, even through like, you know, middle childhood starts around eight and we forget that. And kids are in school. They're not playing. Um, you know, they're in school. They're on their devices. They're, you know, they're playing sports and none of that stuff is, is really true play. So um, definitely let go of that guilt a hundred percent. And then that part is also, One that I think that is probably one of the topics that I want to talk with you into how motherhood can look different for all of us. And yeah. here, this is something that is really like one of our cousins. She's also a teacher and she had this beautiful passion to rotate her baby's 
toys every week and she every month had a theme. So she only have a few toys with a specific theme. And like every time that I see her picture, I'm like, oh my God, she's such a rock star. Like, like I want to be that kind of mom when I grow up. And I actually a couple of times were like, how you do it? And she shared with me very openly. Uh, and the reality is that I actually struggled to do that uh, yeah. and with my kid. My, he, my kid had way too many more toys than what he needs. We struggled with rotating them and all that. And part of this motherhood journey is being to also show myself grace and to know yeah. that if I am doing the best that I can with what I have, and I literally check and say, I don't have any more bandwidth to do this, then... I need to trust that what I'm doing is enough for my kid. I can I still that. admire and respect those moms that have <coughs> that. <Let's> excuse me. <coughs> oh, I never sneeze three times. Okay. <laughs> uh, admire and respect those moms that had the bandwidth and be careful to move that admiration into comparison of if I don't do it the same way, then I'm not doing a good job. And that is very challenging. What you were saying before, we are all the time bombarded with social media. We are all the time bombarded with this is the right thing to do. And then we also have that thing of, especially when it's the first time of doubting of what if I am hurting my kid? What if I'm doing something wrong for my kid? Yeah, it's really hard. And I love that. So I'll say this. I mean, I definitely don't rotate toys. Like, I think that's one of the things that I talk about too, is like, there's so many ways to do it. For me, I try to encourage moms to just declutter. So instead of worrying about, you know, like, like you said, setting up these, you know, these themed playrooms every month or things like that, to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's no way that I could do that. Um, and so I think the vast majority of people could probably get rid of about 75% of the toys that they have, and they would actually see their child playing more than when they're feeling overwhelmed with toys. And I think a lot of us forget that if we're feeling overwhelmed, when we walk into a room, our kid is probably feeling overwhelmed too, and that's not going to help. Um, and so part of what I teach is like, if you, if you minimize your, your, approach, right? Or you minimize your, your space, right? And you simplify your approach that actually, even though it's a little bit more work up front, right? Because you, you might have to like actually spend a few hours going through your toys or reading a little bit and kind of getting yourself into a different mindset that is going to end up paying off in hours and hours worth of time later. And so it's one of those things where, you know, it's not about having a picture perfect playroom. It's not about having, um, um, expensive toys. It's not about having um, anything that, you know, it, it, your child can play with um, Tupperware the same way that they can play with anything else, right? So it's really more about trying to get into that mindset of being okay with really minimizing. And we know, right, like research tells us about how clutter um, impacts our own mental health as, especially as, uh, women, we know that the being surrounded by stuff is just one of those things that it, it feels overwhelming. It's anxiety producing, it's all these things. And so that's also part of why we're struggling because we've got 
baby gear all over the place. And we feel like we have to have a hundred different outfits for the kids. And we have, you know, 25 different cups and we've got 27 fire trucks. And it's like, we don't need that stuff. And our kids don't need that stuff. Um, and having fewer things in general, right, in general in life, um, and focusing more on experiences over stuff is going to help us reduce that sense of overwhelm and that sense of stress and anxiety that we have in general, which if we're feeling less stressed as a mom, that's great, right? We're going to be able to be a better parent if we don't feel as overwhelmed and as stressed and as anxious as if we did. So I think that that's also, I guess, something that I would just encourage, um, you know, and the comparison, it's like the thief of joy, right? You look at all these, um, you know, picture perfect sensory bins or whatever on Instagram or activities that this person looks like they're doing every day. And it's like, how do they do that? And you feel like you have to be doing that. And I guess one of my biggest messages is you don't have to be doing any of that. And in fact, it's actually better for your kid if you're not constantly doing that stuff, because that just is overstimulating and the natural inclination for them to play and just sort of their natural way of exploring the world is much better for their development than these over curated activities that we tend to feel like we have to do with our kids. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And that will lay into uh, one of the last topics that I want to talk with you is um, I love a point that you made when we were talking into getting into the show and is that that feeling and empowering and trust for moms and that yeah. they are raising them uh, that they can do significantly less while actually giving your kids more. So yes. what that means and how we do that. So I love, so one of the things I always say is, yeah, is we can be doing less to give our kids more. And so when we are constantly doing everything for our kids, so whether that means we are constantly setting up activities or we're constantly buying them toys, or we're constantly jumping in to fix every little problem that they have. Um, and we're not letting them sort of have this um, experience of And I don't want to say struggle because that's not the right word. It's actually a phrase called productive struggle where it's a, it's, it's a productive experience for the child because they're trying to do something and they're navigating through it and they're learning from that experience. There's a fine line between that and when they're really struggling, right? And they're really reaching out for help and they need us to be there to support them. So kind of understanding that balance of where can I take a step back if my child is trying to get their own water? or trying to fold their own clothes, or trying to make their own bed, or trying to get dressed, what are ways that I can let them do those things and allow them to kind of own that and have that autonomy so that that helps take it off of me? And by doing less in that sense, and less by not doing all these activities and not um, scheduling them for 50,000 extracurricular activities and not Um, stepping in every time that there's a little problem, you're actually giving your kids more skills because they're learning how to um, navigate life. And you're there as this person who's helped guiding them, but you're taking a back seat in the sense that you're allowing them to lead. You're allowing them to make mistakes. You're allowing them to sit, you know, it might take them five minutes to put on their shoes and maybe they get frustrated and then 
they, you know, you kind of encourage them a little bit. You can do it. You got this. I'll check on you in a few minutes. And then, you know, and then they do it. And like that, after that fact that they've sort of gotten through things without your help, there's that sense of accomplishment that they feel. And everybody, every parent has seen it where their kid is like, I did it. And you're like, yes. And that feeling is where they are growing. That's where they're learning. Like I'm capable. I can do this. I'm powerful. I'm strong. Um, I'm smart. All of the things that we want them to feel. And if we're constantly stepping in and doing everything for them and never letting them have those experiences, we're taking that op away, uh, opportunity for their learning away from them. Um, and so when I say do less to give your kids more, that is what I mean. I absolutely love that. And it's, it's a journey, right? Because uh, we were talking about yeah. this, um, I think that last week in the last week's show and is The part that we never realize is that we need to learn to be parents at the same time that we unlearn what we learn from our parents sometimes and yep. from society. And, and that is part of what this channel is all about is for moms and moms to be that had that flame inside of them or doing things different of that had this feeling of it should not be this hard. Absolutely, it should not be that hard. And then help them to have the tools and the experts like you to show that it's possible and how possible it is. Alana, um, now that we are thinking about this and simplifying parenting to reduce burnout, um, very briefly, I would love for you to share with the moms what are some of those symptoms that are red flags to say, hey, I'm getting close to burnout, and then share one last thing that you want to share with them uh, as, as we close the show, and then if they fall in love like, with you like I did, how they can connect with you. Awesome. So I think my few sort of like last words and tips would really, or, or I'm sorry. So I guess let's start with the symptoms of kind of like when you feel like you're getting to that point. Um, I think if you feel frustrated at the end of every single day and you feel like this sense of like you've lost yourself, right? You don't ever do anything for yourself anymore. Um, you feel anger, you feel anxiety, you feel frustration, um, resentment, any of those feelings. I mean, of course, we're all going to feel those things, you know, at some point. But if you feel like you're feeling those things day in and day out, or it's been a while and you're just really feeling frustrated, or you feeling you're feeling not excited to tackle the day, or you're not excited um, to be with your kids and everything seems like it's overwhelming. I think that to me is a red flag where it's kind of like, take a step back and really Um, lean into all of these things that we've talked about over the course of the show, because I think that's going to help you shift first, shift that mindset um, to be able to really let go of the guilt and feel better and feel more confident in your abilities as a mom. Um, and that would, I guess, be my parting words is really just that it's like, you're very capable. Um, you're very, you know, you are the mom that's meant to be, or the parent that's meant to be for your kids and your situation is very individual. Um, and so learning all you can learn about child development and these little, you know, these little bits and pieces about how kids really learn and things, I think 
helps parents feel more confident because they know they can rely on that information that they've that they've kind of developed. Um, so I hope that that is uh, of um, help and that, you know, that helps moms feel like they are more in charge and more empowered to make really great decisions for their parenting and for their kids. Thank you so much. And then if you want to, I know that she's making a lot of uh, new things coming into the world this year. If you want to connect with Alana, just go to uh, Instagram at the Alana Gallo, Gallo in Spanish, G-A-L-L-O, Gallo. Uh, on Instagram, follow her, make sure that you are connecting with her. Um, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for doing this amazing work to show moms that they don't need to go into burnout to be a good mom. And they actually yeah. can make things a lot simpler from them and that they are worth it to do that. So it was a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much. And then again, for all of you mommies that are around there, the world, if you want to um, keep in touch with me or even ask me for a specific topic for the show, go to Instagram at joeunicorncoach, send me a DM. I handle my social media myself. I will be in contact with you and we will make it happen to support you. This show can also be heard at the Spanglish Radio Network. Please check out www.spanglishworld.ca for all the news and programming. Spanglish World. Watch it, hear it, read it, download it, and leave it. <laughs>